Children, you are dismissed. Adults, if you are uh, here and you have a Bible, grab it and flip to Psalm 88. If you do not have a Bible, I'm not preaching from behind the tent, I promise. Um, if, you, uh, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles under the seats, so you can find a, uh, a white-covered Bible. Um, and if you do not own a Bible, we would love for you to keep that Bible, take it home with you, write in it, color in it, make notes in it. We want you to consider that Bible a gift from us to you uh, because uh, we'd love for you to take God's word home with you, not just in your ears, in your heart, but also in your hands to keep with you forever and for always. Now, um, we have been in a series called Elephants for the past couple weeks. Um, it's topics the church cannot ignore. Um, and we have handled, uh, the first week we handled prejudice, right? So for those of you that were here, we talked about, and it was on 4th of July, we talked about how God has his glorious plan for every tongue, tribe, and nation to love Jesus as he has created them. So that means worship might look really different in one place than it does in another. And it means that in our hearts, anytime we have prejudice towards someone, whether it's the checker going too slow in the check stand line and we think, why can't they just go faster? Don't they know I'm busy? We need to check that at the door, folks, because that's a little bit of prejudice towards whatever's going on in their life, right? If we have prejudice towards anyone, we need to check that at the door, that's sin. We talked about that, okay? Um, last week, we talked about addiction, and, uh, and we found that perhaps we all have a little bit of addiction in our life in one way, shape, or form. For some, it might be coffee. For some, it might be social media. For some, it might be, I don't know, insert whatever, drugs, alcohol, the whole range of things. It might be pride. It might be control. But we all struggle with addiction, and at the root of it, we are all fighting for control in our life and not submitting fully to Jesus. So we talked about addiction. Now, today, we're going to talk about mental illness, um, a topic that uh, we see in the news, but we don't often see in the church. And the church must address this topic. And so we are going to handle it from a position of love, which is the biblical standpoint this morning. If you would stand for the reading of God's word, um, we're going to read Psalm 88 this morning. This is a unique psalm. I'll say this before we dive into it. It is the only psalm where there is no hope. Um, you read through the psalms and you find that they're very realistic in terms of emotion. You can relate to the psalmist's literature from the beginning to the end of the book of Psalms because he talks about the highs of life and he talks about the struggles of life and everything in between you find in the book of Psalms. But more often than not, it's a very happy psalm or it's a psalm that says, hey, things are going horribly, but God is my redeemer, right? This is the only psalm that doesn't do that. And this is where we will find our word this morning psalm 88 let me pray lord thank you for your word this morning thank you that in scripture we find examples of people dealing with deep emotions and difficult situations that are not named so that when we read this psalm we might actually relate to this moment and lord i pray for those that are here this morning that walk this valley we're about to read I pray you would be with them and near to them and comfort their hearts. And Lord, I pray for those that are strong of heart this morning, that they would hear this and understand that people struggle and it is okay. And in scripture, we find hope for those who struggle. I pray that your words would speak to us this morning and that in it, we might find hope even though it is not explicitly stated. 
We give you our hearts and our minds and our souls this morning. We give you glory and honor. And it's in your name that we pray. Psalm 88. I cry out day and night before you. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you and incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life is near to the grave. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. I'm like one who's set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more because they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions that are dark and deep, and your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all of your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me like a horror to them. I am shut in and I can't escape and my eye grows dim through sorrow. And every day I call upon you, O Lord, and I spread out my hands to you. But do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But Lord, I cry to you, in the morning, my prayers come before you. So why, O Lord, do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long, and they close in on me altogether. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me and my companions have become darkness. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning. You may be seated. Oh, pastor, I'm so glad I came to hear encouragement. <laughs> right? Have you ever read that psalm before? I mean, if you've read through the entire scriptures from cover to cover, you've read it. If you read through the book of Psalms, you've read it. But you've probably not said, this is the one I want to meditate on. This is the psalm that speaks to me, right? Because you don't want to end with, and my companions have become darkness. <laughs> but the reality is some people live like that. There are people, even in our room this morning, that live with this very description as their expectation for life when they wake up and when they go to bed. And they feel as if there's no hope. And what I love about this psalm is it doesn't tell you the circumstances. It just explains the emotion of the psalm writer. I feel like I've been abandoned. I feel like there's no hope. I feel like I've been left alone. I feel like I might as well be dead. And these are hard words, but they are contained in the canon of Scripture, which means whether or not we've struggled with this, we can learn from this and apply it to our lives this morning. Now, um, I want to tackle some brief stuff so that we're all on the same page, okay? Um, mental illness, okay? Um, what is it? Uh, I had to look up a definition so that I knew what I would be talking about and I could set the tone for what we would be talking about this morning. Here's the definition. A, uh, no, no, no. a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and or behavior and any combination of those, right? Mood, thinking, and behavior as standalones or any combination thereof, including 
but this is not the all included list, okay? Depression, anxiety, bipolar, dementia, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, schizophrenia, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, autism, post-traumatic stress disorder, postpartum depression, just to name a few. There's a wide range out there, okay? Mental illness. It's conditions that affect mood, thinking, and or behavior in any combination. And what we need to know this morning is that mental illness is a medical issue, okay? It's a medical issue like heart disease or diabetes, right? Or a stubbed toe, right? But so often in our world, we isolate mental illness on this spectrum and we put everything else on this spectrum and we treat these things like illness that have ways we can pray for them and medical help that they can get and no shame. And we treat mental illness like this, put it in a closet, let's not look at it. We probably don't know how to talk about it. If someone has it, we don't know how to talk to them about it. And we leave them over there. And so there's this schism and that is where the breakdown occurs. And it happens in the church and it happens in the world. And here's the struggle I have, is the, the secular world is doing a better job at reaching those who struggle with mental illness than the church and shame on us because the church is the place that hope can be found even in the midst of something like Psalm 88, right? The same diagnosis of mental illness can affect each person differently. If every single one of us in this room was diagnosed with the same mental illness, boy, we'd be a, we'd be a fascinating church, okay? <laughs> right? But if every single one of us, say, had um, obsessive compulsive disorder, okay? okay? Every single one of us would experience it differently, okay? So no two people with the same mental illness will experience it the same way. And that is important to recognize as you walk through life. Now, why is it vital for the church to talk about mental illness? Why should we engage in this conversation? It is because, though it is a medical issue, often very much a chemical issue, sometimes a physiological, but often not chemical, there seems to be a huge stigma attached to this branch of illness as opposed to, say, broken leg, right? Broken leg, no shame. Depression, shame. Why? Okay? Um, a stigma that brings silence and shame and guilt upon the people who suffer from it which in turn causes them to isolate themselves, not only from people, but from God, and it gives space for hopelessness to breed and to grow and the darkness to consume. Here's the statistics on mental illness. The truth is, it's super common. One in five people will experience a mental illness of some kind this year. So we have six, seven, did someone do a count already today? 105. Can someone do the math, what that would be? 21. 21. 21. Uh, so um, uh, six, you, you five, raise your hand. Okay, and you two front rows, raise your hands. That's five, that's 10, that's 11, 12, 13. 14, raise your hand, ladies. Uh, Andrews, 15, 16, raise your hand. Okay, now let's go to the back row. The th uh, five of you in the back row, raise your hand. Okay, that's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that's perfect, 21, okay? That's 21 of us, okay, that would have a mental illness. You guys can put your hands down. I'm not saying anything about you guys. I'm just, you know. Um, okay? 21 of us is a high percentage. 21 of us will experience a mental illness of some kind this year. One in 24 of us 
will experience a serious mental illness, okay? So there's like short-term, say, depression, which lasts between two weeks and three months, okay? Anything longer than three months would be considered major depressive disorder, and that would be considered a major mental illness. One in 24 of us will experience that of some kind. One in 12 of those people who suffer from a serious mental illness will also struggle with addiction, okay? So addiction and mental illness tend to overlap in a great percentage, and we have to talk about it. This means that everyone in here knows someone or is someone with a mental illness this morning. Everyone in here, whether or not you actually know it, you are friends with, family with someone who struggles with a mental illness. And it affects, if it affects everyone, then we have to address it, right? Like if there was a problem with the air that we breathed in this world, would we not talk about it? Would we not find ways to address it? Would we not provide places that breathe clean air for people? And yet this is the same kind of issue. Mental illness tends to isolate people and we must provide a place where people can breathe deeply and feel safe and the body of Christ, you just hit the next one for me, we're gonna stay there for the rest of it. The body of Christ must become a safe place. Can I get an amen? The body of Christ must become a safe place for people who struggle with mental illness and those that love people who struggle with mental illness, okay? Now here's where being a pastor gets really real, okay? If I want this church to be a place that's, that is safe for people who have mental illness, I can preach it till I'm blue in the face, but if we don't create that culture, it'll never happen. And how do we create that culture? But by transparency with one another, right? So if I were to ask everyone who struggles with mental, don't move anybody, but if I were to ask everyone who's, I just, some people are really impulsive. And so um, if I were to ask everyone who actually has a mental illness to stand up, um, the number of people that would stand up would probably be nil because the reality is the church has not been a safe place, right? People are scared of what other people would think about the judgment that might come upon you for having this, that, or the other. If we want to have a culture that is safe, we must begin with transparency and trust in Christ's body for one another. So here's where it's going to start. It's going to start with me this morning. Okay? Two years ago, I started to struggle. Two years ago, I thought I was just having some down days. Two years ago, I got a little cranky in my household more often than not. And I thought, no big deal, everybody gets cranky, everybody snaps more often. But my wife finally said, dude, there's something wrong with you, right? And it was loving. It was, it was loving. And my wife was like, say it was loving. Okay. It was loving. It was very loving. But I realized there was something wrong and I had to go get help. So I went to the doctor and I said, mm, I don't know what's wrong. Here's the things that I'm doing at home. Here's what my life is like. And about a year and a half ago, my doctor said, okay, uh, you're clinically depressed and you suffer from anxiety. So, you know, that's like getting hit with a wet fish in the face, right? Because you don't know how to deal with that, right? Um, and so for the past two years, I have battled this. And I, I battled it without medicine for a long period of time because I can do this, right? I have Jesus, right? 
you know, I can pray through this, right? I don't need anyone to help me with this. I don't want anyone to know about this because will they still trust me to preach the word of God? Like, will, will they still come for me to pray to them or for them with their issues? Will they still love me if they see that I'm weak? And that was just the adversary getting in my way. The adversary whispering in your ear, you know, you're not good enough, they don't love you, all that kind of stuff. I was clinically depressed when I went to Nicaragua. And I wasn't on medication yet. And I struggled the entire time I was there. I was not who I wanted to be on that trip. And that grieves me. Um, but I got back from the trip and I realized I need, I need more help. So uh, my doctor who had been saying, you need medication, you need medication, you need medication. I'm like, I don't need medication, I got Jesus, right? Um, stigma, right? Um, if I just had enough faith, right? So I finally got on medication. You wanna know what? It works. <laughs> I mean, Hallelujah. right, praise Jesus, right? I am not where I was 18 months ago because medication helps, counseling helps, being transparent, really transparent, <laughs> awkwardly, embarrassingly sometimes transparent with a very few select number of friends is incredibly useful to do what the psalmist did and be like, my life, I'm pretty much a dead body on top of dead bodies, and I don't know why Jesus has been ignoring me for so long, and every day I ask him to take this away from me, and I just don't know why he does, and I'm just gonna sit here in a puddle and bemoan my life for a while, and you gotta do that in front of somebody so that somebody can tell you, I hear. I love you. It's okay. Like, they don't, they can't fix it, but you need to know that someone's there with you in the trenches. Okay. And so medicine and counseling and friendship. And I got to a place now where I am where I have far more good days than I have bad days. Praise Jesus, right? But there were days that I didn't know if I could get up here and preach. There were days that it was so bad and so heavy on me. And none of you probably knew, right? Did anybody have an inkling? Just hand, show of hands, anybody? No. No. Because people who have mental illness get really good at faking it. Right? Everything's great. Put on your church face, everything's wonderful. And I don't say this to say anything about me to get pity from you guys or anything. Um, I just say it to say that I can fake it really well, but so can you. And I want us to be a transparent church. Um, I wasn't sure if I was gonna share with you guys because it makes me feel incredibly vulnerable, right? Um, but I want this church to be a place of vulnerability. And the best way to do that is for me to need you guys to love me in my brokenness, right? And for me to lead you guys into transparency through my own, right? I wasn't sure if I was gonna do it, but I was talking with a friend um, and they struggle with this as well. And we were talking and I told them what my plan was and what I was thinking about for this Sunday. And they said, this is what helped make my mind up. I wish, I wish someone in leadership had once said me too. And I thought, oh, someone's going to be sitting in the congregation and they're going to be thinking that. And so me too. Me too. Okay? Um, the thing is, it doesn't have to end with Psalm 88, right? Um, but it's sometimes a long or lifetime journey. And sometimes there will be days like that. And I will probably have days like that again. 
but hopefully they will be few and far between. My anxiety this morning, off the charts, holy cow. <laughs> it's not even funny. Oh man, like I keep getting like the circle, you know? And so I have to keep bending over because I can't stop it from happening. And sometimes it's for absolutely no reason, but I know what the reason is this morning, okay? Um, but I've learned to laugh at it. I've learned that friends are helpful. I've learned that I gotta talk about it. So, what happens if we don't talk about it? What happens if we don't talk about this in the church? Well, uh, people who have mental illness will do it silently and in isolation. Um, they will believe that no one knows. They will believe that no one understands. And they will believe that no one cares or will care. That is the worst possible thing. People with mental illness, and I'm speaking specifically from, so when I say this now, understand that I am speaking as one, okay? Um, that is the worst place to be in isolation because it just allows the adversary to speak more things into your life that are not true. Did you know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States? And we have a higher rate here in Alaska, okay? But nationally, 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Um, it's the third leading cause of death for those that are 10 years of age to 14 years of age. It's the second leading cause of death for those that are 15 to 24. You wanna know why? Mental illness and isolation. 90% of those who are 24 and under who committed suicide had a mental illness. 90%. What's the correlation between mental illness, isolation? Statistically, it's suicide. We have to talk about this. 18 to 22% of vets commit suicide every day. Right? 37% of students aged 14 to 21 drop out of school due to struggles associated with mental illness. Either they are struggling to relate with their peers or they can't keep up with their homework because they just can't get out of bed in the morning. 26% of homeless people in shelters that can be calculated, homeless folks in shelters, not the folks on the streets that are not in shelters, just the ones that come through a shelter have a serious mental illness, and 46% have a mental illness and an addiction problem. Do you wanna know why? Because they cope, they treat their mental illness more often than not with a substance. And I'm not gonna lie, I've been in the deep, and it's kinda tempting when you wanna numb some things out, right? I don't know if anyone else has been there, I'm probably not gonna get a right back on that one, I'm just being transparent. 20% of young adults leave the church each year because the church does not address their struggle. They don't have a place they can go to. The church was not a safe place for them. And so people leave the church and ultimately leave their faith. And then, how do they pull themselves out of Psalm 88? The church has to talk about this. So what do you do? What do you need to know? How should you approach Someone if you know someone. Now we'll do the show of hands. Anybody know someone who struggles with a mental illness? And your all hands better go up because of me, right? <laughs> Outside of me, 
Anybody know someone that struggles with a mental illness? Okay, excellent. See, that's the good bulk of you in this room, right? Um, some of this stuff I'm gonna say is from my own heart, and some of this stuff I'm gonna say is common sense, but it has to be said, people. Um, and some of it is stuff that I've gleaned from great resources. Number one, if you know someone who has a mental illness, you can't fix it, okay? So don't try. Um, you can't fix it. Don't do this thing that people do with best intentions, but it hurts people, where you say, oh, you wanna know what? My aunt has that, and she did this, and it worked for her. So if you try this, then you'll be fine. No, remember? Mental illness, one diagnosis. Everybody with OCD experiences it differently. Not one medication works for everybody with uh, heart disease, right? So why would one treatment work for everybody with mental illness? Okay, so don't, don't try and fix us. Um, you can't, okay? If we can't fix ourselves, you can't fix us. Uh, we are not the all fixers, okay? We need the all fixer, okay? There's a big difference. Number two, um, be patient with us. Please be patient with us. Um, if we have plans with you and we cancel last minute, don't give us a hard time. We might not be able to go. Folks with anxiety might not be able to get out the door because it's just too much, okay? Uh, folks with depression, they might not got out of the bed. They might have not showered for three days, right? They might be eating like leftovers, leftovers, okay? So be patient with us if we cancel last minute or we turn down invites. But don't stop inviting us because we don't want to be cut out from your life. We want to know that we matter. We need to know that we're cared about, but we aren't always able to participate. Don't tell us, you just need to pray more. You just need more faith. You know, right? Yeah. Because you want to know what that says to us? It says, I don't have enough faith. It says, my prayers aren't working. It says, God must not love me. It says, I can't fix this, but I should be able to. And do you want to know what that makes me feel? Really bad about myself. And do you want to know what someone with depression needs to feel? Worse about themselves. So people with the best of their intentions, and Christians do this, say, oh, if you just prayed a little more, you'd, you'd pull through. I've been praying for two years for God to take this away. And the reality is this might be with me for the rest of my life, and I need to recognize that. But I still love Jesus. I just know that I'm not the fixer, okay? Don't reinforce the false view that this is their fault. And don't give up on them, okay? Pursue them and love them and cherish them while they live in Psalm 88. And if they've confided in you, this is where I'm struggling, then ask them how they are doing every now and again. If they have let you into their struggle, it means they trust you, right? And so they've given you permission to check in every now and again, not to have that awkward conversation with, hi, I have depression. Hi, that's great. And then never speak of it again. Because that's so often what happens. We confide in someone, right? 
And we, we confide in them because we trust them and we want them to encourage us and be there for us when we have a bad day. And sometimes bad days will go for weeks and you just need someone to text and say, it's another bad day again. And you don't want to feel like you're annoying someone. So be proactive when someone tells you. Get up in their life. Don't stop them. But get up in their life, right? And say, I love you. I know you shared this with me. I just, I'm, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? Okay? That, that's a good thing to do. And then when you ask them how they're doing, and this is really important, you got to care enough to listen, right? You have to care enough to listen. And don't settle for the, I'm doing okay, because that's our default setting, right? We're trained in culture to say, I'm doing okay, it's all right, I'm fine, you know, I've had better days, but it's not so bad. No, dig in. Dig in and ask how they are doing and then listen and then don't fix, okay? Do offer to bring a meal by every now and again. Some folks with mental illness, they can't, they just can't every now and again cook. There might be some stretches. When people have babies, we bring them meals in the church, right? We love doing that meal train, right? People get a broken foot or whatever, we take them meals, right? People get mental illness, they're struggling for a spell. We should take them food, right? That's like a thing we should do. Because sometimes it's just not gonna happen in their household and we should feed them because they are part of the body of Christ and we should love them and care. Do remind them of God's love and ever-present care, right? Don't do it in a way that makes them feel guilty, but just remind them of the truth of God's love. And pray, pray, pray for them and with them. When you see them, pull them aside. Hey, can I pray with you for just a moment? Doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be emotional. It could just be like a real quick prayer. Really quick. Hey, Jesus, thank you for this person and the ways that you're working in their life. Be with them and bless them and encourage them. You know how much that would mean? That to know someone has your back and is praying for you? Huge. Okay? Those are the kinds of do's and don'ts if you know someone. Does that make sense? Those seem like common sense, but sometimes I'm amazed at how common sense needs to be said. Like when, when, you're, when, when you have small children and you're like, don't stick your finger in the electrical socket. It seems like common sense, but when you're bringing someone into culture and you're raising someone to have a certain kind of view of life, you have to teach them what is common sense. And we as a church, not just this church, but the church as a whole, needs to be retaught some common sense in some areas. And that's why we're doing this elephant series. Now, what about this? What if it's you? What if you sit here this morning and you are one of the people, one of the five, that struggles with mental illness. You're technically one of the 21 in the room, statistically speaking, 20 excluding myself. Who struggles with mental illness, whether it's a short-term or a long-term? You need to know some things. And I want you to hear this from one who struggles and has been working through this for two years with solid counseling friendships, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, a real counselor, <laughs> okay? and medication to help me think more clearly. It is not shameful, and it is not your fault. It is not shameful, and it is not your fault, because that is the first thing I thought. I'm so embarrassed. I should know better. Why did I let this happen to me? It is not shameful, and it is not your fault. Number two, your faith is not broken. Faith and mental illness go hand in hand. You read it all over the scriptures. 
you can have any mental illness and have a strong faith and they can coexist though at times there is some great tension you also aren't alone me too me too but aside from me because who am I <laughs> Charles Spurgeon you familiar with him famous preacher back in yielding days he struggled with depression so badly he thought about suicide Charles Spurgeon right you look to him for inspiration in your faith when you read his words his devotions he wrote in his journal that he was just in the deep of it and he was struggling so much and he didn't know if he was going to be able to get up and preach the word of God and I could really relate with him and and then he said someone came to visit him and you know you put on the pastor face and you listen and this person was saying I was visiting so-and-so this lady who's um, you know, 90 some odd years old and she's really sick and she's in a lot of pain but she's praising Jesus and she's finding joy and Charles Spurgeon was like and I'm sitting here in the dark of it and I hate myself because of it because I can't find joy in it Charles Spurgeon um, you know the hymn there's power in the blood right the guy who wrote that wrote a bunch of hymns his name is William Cooper he struggled with depression in fact he was institutionalized for attempting suicide over and over and over again but out of his struggle came some beautiful hymns and trust in Christ. In scripture, Moses struggled with depression. Elijah wanted to kill himself, asked God to kill him even. Um, uh, Martin Luther, in church history, struggled with depression. Job, really, I mean, if you've read the book, okay. <laughs> right? And I, I, I'm gonna just get, God works in mysterious ways. I have for years said, I hate the book of Job. Like, I understand its place in canon, really don't like it. You wanna know what one of my favorite books is right now? <laughs> I don't know why God does what he does uh, King David right struggled with depression sometimes I wonder if he wasn't manic depressive when I read the depths that he went to and then the times that he stripped naked and danced for joy down the streets and I think <laughs> okay but you want to know what I'm in good company. If it's King David, great. Did you know Jeremiah, the prophet? Oh, he's a depressing dude to read. Um, he's like the Eeyore of the prophet. <laughs> I wish I were never born, literally, he said that. Um, and so he struggled with it. And you know Jesus struggled with it? You ever read Matthew 26 where he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane? Um, I wasn't going to read it, but now I'm going to read it. Matthew 26. Um, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to pray. Okay? And then he took from his disciples Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Right? And then, quote, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He pulled out his three closest friends, and he said, my soul is very sorrowful even to the death Remain here and watch with me. What's he doing? He is depressed because he's about to be killed. Valid reasons here, right? So he pulls aside his three closest friends. He's showing us, A, it's okay. Even Jesus gets depressed. You're not alone. B, it's really good to tell some of your friends and to have them know your heart and to ask them to pray with you. And then he went and prayed. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be like Jesus in our Christian walk, mental illness or not. Find some friends and tell them, right? You're not alone. And then talk with Jesus a little bit. 
You need to know that while you're not alone and your faith isn't broken and it's not shameful or your fault, there is great help, great help, speaking from experience, in counseling, professional counseling, okay? Close friendships and medication, okay? No shame in any of that, right? And that needs to be said clearly from the pulpit, from one who has a spiritual authority over the flock. Counseling is great. Medication is great. Okay? There's help in those things. But there is an immense hope in Christ. Right? Psalm 34, 18. One of my favorite verses of late. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Some of us, most of us, all of us have experienced brokenheartedness at some point for some reason, right? Whether it was a fleeting time or whether it is a long-term illness. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. But you read Psalm 88 and he says things like, why have you forsaken me and where are you and why have you abandoned me and why does your waves of wrath roll over me? Those are our feelings. And what does the Lord say about our heart? That it's deceitful, right? And leads us astray. Let's take to heart what God says. And he says, I am near to the brokenhearted. He is always present with us. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, maybe you guys know this one. Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. Now that word anxieties doesn't just mean like I'm stressed out about X, Y, or Z. That word, anxieties, that we read in the English language is a fascinating word. I did some study on this when I was first diagnosed with anxiety. Um, that word anxiety in the original language means dual-mindedness or dual-selfed. Um, it's kind of like you're split in half. And so you could read this verse like, cast your fractured self upon the Lord because he cares for you. When you have a mental illness, sometimes you feel fractured. You see who you used to be and who you want to be and who you hope you are going to be again one day. But a lot of times you're living out of the broken side. And so you have this fractured self. And God says, take that fractured self and cast it on me because I care to you and I'm near to you and I will be with you through the valley even if it's going to be a long trip. Now, I would say this. If you haven't shared your struggles with someone, I can't, I can't encourage you more strongly to do so. You have to share this with someone. If it's me, great. We can walk this road and encourage one another together. If it's a close family member or friend, do it. But do not struggle alone. Um, you can text me if you want. You can email me. All of my information is on the church website, okay? You can Facebook me. I don't care how you get a hold of me. But if you want to let me know, great, okay? Transparency right here. You know, I'm not going to point the finger and be like, shame on you because I've broken in the brain, folks. But God is good. I'm also going to send out an email this week with some follow-up links. So if you want to respond that way, you can as well. If you know someone and you need some help and some resources to love on them a little better, I'll gladly connect with you on that as well. 
we can offer help in the church in a practical way. And we can offer hope through Christ in the church. That's what people with mental illness need. Help and hope. And the church should be the place for that, right? So why don't we go ahead and close in prayer. We'll have one song of worship and we'll dismiss. There's a VBS meeting immediately following church. So if you're helping with VBS, you can meet in the front row. Lord, this morning, we cast ourselves upon you. Whether or not we struggle with mental illness or we don't, all of us live within a fractured self in some way, shape, or form. We struggle against the sin nature that we have. Every single one of us has a fractured self we need to throw upon the feet of the throne and say, help me. But this morning particularly, Lord, we lift up those here and those that we love that struggle with depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, schizophrenia, um, and all of the myriad of other categories of mental illness. Lord, I pray that they would never feel alone, that they would never feel hopeless, that you would lift them right out of the pit. Psalm 88, Lord, it says, will your, will your righteousness, will your mercy ever be preached among the dead? And it's such a hopeless question but there is great hope on the backside because we see Christ who went to the grave and rose again to conquer death and preach to those who are dead. Lord, bring the dead hope this morning. We glory in your name and we know that you are near us. Heal us if it's your will. And if it's not, walk with us. Give us wisdom to walk with others. And we pray this in your name. Amen.